When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Wilson in the gun, three wide. He gets the snappy back middle. Here's the blitz and he's brought down. Sagged over, was called and it was Anthony Barr again. There was no getting out of his way, even as Wilson tried to crunch and get low like a catcher in baseball. Barr was zeroed in. The loss is back to about the 17 of Minnesota. Okay, a great way for me to return from vacation is with a Kevin Harlan call, although I wish it was Kevin Harlan's call of the idiot on the field that got (laughs) tackled by security, but a great start. I am happy to be back. We are at CHS Field, St. Paul Saints. It, uh, we were supposed to take batting practice, but no dice. It's a little wet out there and probably actually better for my health that we did not take batting practice. But a beautiful day to sit in a baseball press box and talk about football for two hours. So Danny Cunningham is here. Manny Hill is here. And I've got a lot that has been on my mind since I went on vacation. And I don't know what you guys do on vacation but I wrote a 3,200-word article about Anthony Barr while I was on vacation. <laughs> that is not what I typically do on vacation. I like to go to Mexico or get out of town. You just worked. Well, I disagree with your methods, uh, but I respect them. Uh, now, generally, I do stuff like go to uh, different places on vacation. But for this time, I just wanted to take a little staycation and do almost nothing. So on NBA 2K, I put up 50 points. 20 rebounds, 20 assists in one game with Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's a big night. That was a goal that I set out to do. Uh, played some hoops outdoors. Danny, you're, you and I are in a rec league. We lost. Did not go well. Okay, I, was, nope. I was disappointed in the performance of our team. Nope, we did not play well. I'm not going to call out my teammates on the air because I didn't have the best game either. And I don't know all their names. This, uh, kid, that was like a <laughs> beef of mine. Like, hi, guys. All right, we're on the team now. And like, I mean, everyone's just like, okay, like. Okay, but all here they all know each other, so But they don't know us. Yes. You could have introduced yourselves to us. They did not want it to did do not, that. Uh, it did not go as well as planned. And the team chemistry was that bad. But no, anyway. So you guys uh, didn't want to do the Kobe Bryant call out your teammates in a post-game interview? Oh, we, don't have, we don't have anyone as bad as Smush Parker. Yeah, so. and, and we need more than one one game under our belt. If this is like still an issue after four or five weeks, then yeah, we right, might be holding a press conference. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, We're going to stand up in front of the media. And, and medium-sized guy, he needs to be better. Uh, <laughs> I think that guy, he looks like a Chad or a Luke or something. Yeah. He's bad. That guy's um, definitely a Blake. He needs to put so the ball in the hoop more. Our, yeah, our team, our team struggled a little bit. And other than that, I watched some film and I did some writing, and it was great. I read a football book, which is awesome, um, and that's where we're at for the last week of vacation. Very typical. So I want to talk to you guys about what I spent my vacation writing sure. about Anthony Barr. And... I, so I'll, I'll give you kind of the rundown of the article. You can see the whole thing at scorenorth.com. The uh, impetus of the article was basically Mike Zimmer a year ago talking about how much he wanted Anthony Barr to stay. So much that he called a press conference to announce that trade rumors were false, even though there were no trade rumors. <laughs> 
But in that press conference, he was talking about how much he cared about Anthony Barr as a centerpiece to the defense. And so I've been thinking about this wheels turning even since then. But I thought, well, if he's going to leave, why waste my time uh, di- you know, diving deep into this? But since he's back, I talked to him. I talked to the linebackers coach, Adam Zimmer, and a couple of experts on defense. And the thing that I came to, guys, is the linebacker position is sort of being devalued but it shouldn't be because of how offenses are attacking defenses. That offenses are using running backs out of the backfield, running backs get 100 catches sometimes now like Christian McCaffrey, and they're attacking the middle of the field and players like Anthony Barr all the time. So if you have someone who's a unique talent and a unique size and speed combination who's smart enough to play zone coverage, he is more valuable than I think maybe the sack numbers, the pro football focus numbers will exactly tell you. So my question for you two guys, is if we could go back to the beginning of free agency and and make that decision again, do you think it is going to turn out to be the right decision to bring back Anthony Barr onto the Minnesota Vikings? I think it is. I think it is the right decision. And I was maybe not leaning this way before reading your article because I didn't necessarily realize how smart of a player he was. I haven't been around the Vikings for a very long time, and that's not, I don't think, common knowledge for everybody out there that watches Vikings games. You just see a linebacker, you think, oh, good football player. You don't necessarily think, wow, he's got a really high IQ or he's one of the smartest guys on the field. That's not what you think of when you think of linebackers in general or really a ton of defensive players for the most part. That's something that you associate with quarterbacks and centers and and offensive linemen, but not players on the defensive side of the ball. So after realizing how smart he is and everything that he can do, and and even just what a freak of nature he is in terms of his measurables, where he was in the like 90, what, 97th percentile in terms of size for a linebacker, Mm -hmm. was in the 60th percentile in speed, his his reach is unbelievable. All of the natural gifts that he has, too, on top of the IQ, it makes me feel as if this guy is sort of indispensable. I I wonder with Anthony Barr if when you look at where he's at in his career, his age, I think he's, what, 27, this contract is going to take him right into what you would imagine to be the prime of his career. Sure, yeah. So I, I wonder if five years into, into Anthony Barr's career, if we still have yet to see the best of Anthony Barr, if, if we're going to see Anthony Barr take his game to another level and be even more of an impact player, uh, on, in Mike Zimmer's defense than what we've seen in the last five years. And he's been a good player, obviously, for the last five years. But if we're going to see him take his game to another level, then I think it's absolutely worth bringing him back for sure. So what's really interesting about Anthony Barr, I think, and, and the decision that is made here is when you compare the gifts that he has and the intelligence that I wrote about and you brought up, Danny, to go along with this freakish size that looks like a linebacker out of 2002. Right? You just don't see linebackers who are six foot five, 260 anymore because most of them can't run four fives. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. You don't have guys that are that big and that fast. And so his versatility is incredible. He can rush the passer. He can take on guards or tackles and be successful if you need him to. He can play zone coverage. I I pulled a clip of the Detroit Lions trying to get, I believe it's Theo Riddick, uh, their kind of scat back, Mm -hmm. trying to get him in space one-on-one with Barr. And he couldn't shake Anthony Barr because he's a pretty good cover guy against running backs out of the backfield. And so he's got this unique skill set. We've seen him dominate games. We've seen him take over. But then there's this, also this part of Anthony that I don't want to say that he just uh, pulls no-shows, but the inconsistent performances, and when I, I have his pro football focus grades in front of me, there are some games from this year where he scored so high, he was taking over the game. But then Week 17 last year has his worst performance of the year and mm. basically has a no-show against Chicago where he was not an impact player. And I think if you're talking about one big question, Manny, it's probably is there consistency that's ever going to be there with him? Because yeah. if there is, he's dominant. But you mentioned he's 27, so is that really going to change? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to tell. I mean, you would think that this when you get to this point in your career when you get to be 27 28 29 years old basically the first couple of years before you turn 30 that these are the best years of football that you're going to play especially at that particular position 
And I think really to justify bringing him back, considering the amount of money that they're bringing him back for, and obviously he's taking less than what he would have gotten with the Jets. And when you look at where the New York Jets are right now, I'm sure he's very glad that he's back here. Um, But I think when you look at where he's at in his career, they need him, they need these next couple of years especially to be the best years that we're going to see out of Anthony Barr. Because it's only, I mean, this defense is already good. I think this defense was going to be good without him. They're certainly going to be much better with him in the lineup. And if he's, if we're going to see him take his game to another level, this defense, I think, has a chance to be number one across the board like they were in 2017. So you, you bring up an interesting point about where you think his prime is for his career and how much they're going to pay him. Because yeah. when I look at uh, the way his uh, contract is structured, they really can't get out of this one super cheap like a lot of the other contracts that they do. And, and part of it was he had the leverage knowing that he could go to the Jets and then came back and said, well, you know, if you, if you give me a decent price, I will come back here. And I, I've got his contract up in front of me. You really can't get out of this one until 2022. Mm. And even then, you're still talking about eating $5 million of cap. That's probably where you might restructure. But... His cap number this year is 5.6, which is really great for mm-hmm. Anthony Barr. It's lower than it was last year when he was playing on his fifth-year option. Next year it goes up to 12. The year after it goes up to 15. Mm. And that's right. That's where you start to have this debate and conversation because Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus was on the station the other day, and he was saying in the Vikings' position, this is a really hard thing to do to bring back, in a way, a luxury guy that you couldn't really afford. Now, Mike Zimmer sees him as the centerpiece to the defense, so you have to pay him. But $15 million for a linebacker that's had some inconsistency that is not Luke Kuechly, that is not Bobby Wagner, I'm not sure, Danny, if that's entirely worth it. It's it's a question that has to be asked because you know what you're going to get from him now, but you also don't know what he's going to look like a couple of years from now. What if injuries come into play? And not saying that they will, but that's all always a possibility. And these inconsistent performances, if you're being paid that type of money, and this year it's not as much of a big deal, but when that cap hits up to 12 and up to 15 and then whatever it is after that, you can't afford to disappear for a game. You are too important. You're being paid like you are far too important to ever disappear. You need to be the best player on the defense, arguably the best player on the field, each and every time, each and every Sunday that you step out there. And when you get to that point that year where he's making $15 million, what is this team going to look like? Yeah, that's what a is great this question. defense going to look like? Are other important pieces of this defense still going to be here? Is Harrison Smith still going to be here? Um, Daniil Hunter will, you know, where, where will he be at as far as as far as that year is concerned? And if some of these guys are not here, you really can't afford Anthony Barr to disappear for sure. two or three or four games during a season. And what's the offense going to look like, too? Because you're yeah. going to have so much money tied up in the defense on Anthony Barr alone. You don't know what, what the quarterback position is going to look like. Is Kirk Cousins going to be around? What's the offensive line? What are they going to look like at, at that point? It, it, there are a ton of questions that you can build off of Anthony Barr's future contract. And on that, when we look at contracts, we generally think of, or at least I always did before... Kirk Cousins was here and took up so much of the cap is kind of in a bubble. Like, is the guy worth what he's being paid? But it's not really about that now as much for the Vikings. It's, is he worth the money that you're paying him relative to what you have for cap space? And this is why I I wanted to start with the position of would you still do it when you look at this? Because that might depend really. Of course you'd pay him 5-6 for this Mm -hmm. year. Absolutely. But when you go back and look at how it's structured in 2021, now I can't tell you whether I think it's worth it or not unless I know whether Kirk Cousins is here on a $40 million contract or not. Because the way that these quarterback contracts are trending after the one that Russell Wilson just signed, you're talking about Kirk Cousins going to the negotiating table for a potential extension, starting the conversation at $40 million a year because it's going to be a couple of years down the road from even where Russell Wilson was. And if you're going to sign him to $40 million a year, then this signing of Anthony Barr does not look good at all. Now, if you've drafted a quarterback, say, next year, 
and you plan on turning the ball over to that quarterback in 2021, then it doesn't matter how much you pay Anthony Barr because you're going to have a ton of cap space to work with. And as you mentioned, Manny, players like Xavier Rhodes, Linval Joseph, Everson Griffin, extremely unlikely that they're here by 2021. So that's big cap hits that are no longer there, and younger players who have been drafted are starting to uh, – you know, come into where they might get contracts, but it's going to match up pretty well to have some cap space there unless you're still paying the quarterback. Now, something else. Sorry, do you have something, Danny? Yeah. Do you think that if Kirk Cousins wasn't a question mark right now because he is entering the second year and it, it feels like a swing year, they're going to have to decide if he's their future at the end of this year. Do you think that they still do this if Kirk was more of a sure thing? If, if he had had a great year one and you're thinking, we want this guy to be a Viking for the rest of his career, do you think they still go out and sign Anthony Barton? this deal i think that they do i think mike zimmer is obsessed with anthony Barr, and and for all the reasons that i wrote about it's justified considering how unique he is because it would almost be like this is the comparison that someone else made for me in the uh, article who's a a writer and a high school coach that it's like having a five-tool player So you could try to platoon a position in baseball. You could try to platoon a shortstop. This guy's pretty good against lefties. This guy's good against righties. This guy's a little better fielder if we need that for one night. Instead, Anthony Barr just does all of it. Like He's great in zone coverage, and he can blitz, and he can stop the run, and all those things. He's one of the best tacklers by pro football-focused numbers last year. And I think because of all that, Zimmer would still say, no matter what, if we could bring him back, then we have to bring him back. Now, if you were removing Mike Zimmer from that conversation and you were telling me, yeah, Kirk Cousins actually went 12-4 and last year, not 8-7-1, and and had a great season, was in the Pro Bowl, you're talking about extending him already, yeah. and you have to start thinking years out. And in that case, I think you have to say, sorry, Anthony, we love what you've done for us for the most part, but... There's no way we could still afford it. Now, something else that I came across is the way that New England sort of went the opposite way of many teams last year and uh, I guess took advantage of those platoon players because a lot of teams were matching up personnel and they were trying to bring in certain guys when it's this sort of look, certain guys with this sort of look. And the Chargers, they were just playing mostly one linebacker looks a lot of times last year. And so when they got to the playoffs, the Patriots went, all right, well, here's our big giant fullback, or here's two tight end looks, and here's Sony Michelle going to run the ball down your throat and set up the pass in sort of the traditional run sets up the pass way that does not exist anymore. And I'm curious what you guys think about this, because the whole thing about my article is that Anthony Barr is a chameleon and can adapt to whatever way the league goes. Do you guys think that the league stays with the spread offenses or it eventually goes back with as defenses figure out a lot of things that are going on if we see it kind of return? Because the 80s in the West Coast eventually became the 90s of pounding the ball with big giant fullbacks and stuff. And it was suggested to me in, uh, by someone I interviewed for the article that you know you might actually see that again at some point. You might see the running, ge- ba- uh, the running game come back especially based on what the Patriots did uh, last year? I don't know that we will because I think it's interesting how players when they're younger are taught how to play now. And the spread offense has made its way into, obviously, college, into high school, and even into lower levels. So you're not teaching offensive linemen the same way. The fullback doesn't exist at the lower levels for the most part anymore. And we are at a time where the athletes on the field have never been this fast. They've never been this quick. They're maybe not quite as big and bulky as they once were, but they've never been as fast as they are. And I'm not sure that that's ever going to go away because you're just going to keep finding the next faster guy. And I think that's probably the way we're going to keep continuing to trend. I also wonder, too, about, to your point, Danny, about offensive linemen, too. Mm-hmm. Because if we're going to start seeing offensive linemen be groomed and trained differently now to sort of match up with these spread offenses, because you still have, I mean, you, you look across the league, obviously the Vikings have had their troubles with offensive line play over the last few years. But you look across the league, a lot of a lot of teams around the league are having offensive linemen difficulties, whether it's guys staying healthy or guys just not being a right fit for the type of offenses that they're running. And I wonder if we're going to start to slowly see offensive linemen start to be developed differently to fit some of these faster-paced, these spread offenses. I think we're going to start seeing offensive linemen that might be a little bit lighter, that aren't, yeah. that aren't the 330-pound 
you know, road graders. We might see 305-pound guys that can get out in space and run and, and make plays that way. So I think we're going to start seeing offensive linemen start to be groomed and, and grown differently. And maybe even more creative with offensive linemen. Yeah. And uh, another point that gets brought up is tight ends and how the tight end position is changing where it's basically guys who are just big and fast. Now the, the blocking tight end is something that a lot of teams just don't really have. Well, and that's when you bring up Anthony Barr's size, the six foot five, 255-pound guy that can run. There, there are no linebackers like that anymore because they all play tight end now. That, <laughs> yeah, that's no, what it is. Point, that's yeah. where all of those guys that, that used to be the bigger linebacker, well, now they want to catch the ball and now they want to play offense, and now they are tight ends. How many? You can look across the league and you can look at some just freak athlete tight ends and say, you know what, you'd be a really good linebacker. You'd be an awesome linebacker, but instead they're playing tight end. And you could say the same for edge rushers, too, that sure. everybody knows that edge rushers get paid. And Anthony Barr went into free agency saying, who's going to make me an edge rusher? And then he changed his mind because he loves Minnesota, and I can relate to that. <laughs> same Anthony Barr, but I mean, other than that, I think he was going to go to the place that was going to make him an edge rusher, and now he's going to stay with this all-around type of position. Maybe he gets a few more chances to rush the passer, um, he actually does rush the passer more than most linebackers, but it's nowhere close to an edge rusher. And when he came into the league, that's what most people thought he was going to be, is that, that he was going to be the guy that rushed off the edge because those are the guys that get paid. Um, so the fact that he's still even at that position is very unique because there are so few. He's like, a, remember Lamar Lathan? You remember Lamar mm-hmm. Lathan? Like, oh, come on, Danny, too Danny, young, so too young. young. You're so young. There, there were a bunch of these edge rushers that would play in like three fours who would rush the passer a lot. Kevin Green is one of these. Mm-hmm. But, they could, but they could drop back in coverage and do anything you wanted them to do. And I feel like there aren't that many of those guys around, even teams that play the three four. Um, and especially guys, they're usually rushing the passer every time. Someone like Khalil Mack might technically be a linebacker, but he's not. He's an edge rusher. He doesn't drop back in coverage. The fact that Barr can do both of those things does make him super unique. So scorenorth.com is where you can see the complete article. I had a great time uh, talking to Anthony, talking to Adam Zimmer, the linebackers coach, Mike Zimmer, all quoted in the piece. We are broadcasting today, by the way, here on Purple Daily, from CHS Field, St. Paul Saints. It looks like the sun is starting to come out a little bit here, so it could be a nice night. Um, if you want tickets to Saints Baseball, which I would highly suggest, saintsbaseball.com. Also, a reminder that the American Association All-Star Game and festivities coming to CHS Field July 22nd and 23rd, so you could get tickets there, saintsbaseball.com. We'll take a quick break. When we return, the Houston Texans still do not have a general manager, and I want to know from Danny and Manny how many teams they would rather be the general manager of then the Minnesota Vikings. How many teams would they pick first if they could take any GM job in the NFL? We will discuss when we return. You are listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want to come company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Watson in the gun. Third down and four at the Indy 6. QT in motion to the right side. Now stays in the backfield. Watson takes the snap. Looking. Hits QT. Left side. QT across the five. Going for the pylon. And he's in. Touchdown, Houston. All right, back here, CHS Field in St. Paul, a wonderful view of the stadium. We're broadcasting today from the press box here. Uh, The reason that Jonathan pulled that clip of Deshaun Watson doing something cool is because the Houston Texans guys, uh, Manny and Danny here with me on Purple Daily, they don't have a GM still. They tried to get one from New England, and then they didn't. So they have no general manager yet. And this is a two-part question. First is, is that a good job, Houston, do you think? I think it's a good job. I think because you have a young quarterback that is really, really good, and maybe I'm being a little biased because I'm really high on Deshaun Watson. I think he's going to be really, really, really good for a long time, uh, provided he can stay healthy, which has been a little bit of a 
little bit of a hurdle for him. But I, I think as long as you've got a young quarterback with a lot of upside, I think it's a I think it's a good job to have. I think it's a great job for everything you just brought up. But also, they've got cap space. They've got mm-hmm. a ton of cap space. The Texans, as of right now, have forty million dollars in cap space for this year. And assuming that you don't get fired after this year on your first year on the job, you're going to have eighty-two million dollars, almost eighty-three million dollars for next year's cap. That's a great position to be in. Not only do you already have the most important piece in the game in a young franchise quarterback, but you have so much money to go out there and build around him the way you so desire. I don't think there's a better situation for a GM to walk into than one just like that. For two more years, then you can spend all that money in free agency that you want, and then you're going to have to pay Deshaun Watson Mm. buckets and buckets of money because I agree with you, Manny. I think that he is a really good quarterback among the... I don't know. If you're starting to franchise today, five to seven guys that you would pick if you're looking for somebody young that you believe at some point can win a Super Bowl, that's, uh, I, I think the way that you define any quarterback is just can you win the Super Bowl with him if you put a good roster around him? And if you don't find that guy, then you never will, no matter how good your roster is. Let me show you Andy Dalton, who had some amazing <laughs> rosters but could never quite get there. I think Deshaun Watson is that kind of guy, and it's attractive from that standpoint. The offensive line of Houston is not attractive, so you would have to issue. you'd have to rebuild that, and that's not so easy to do. Um, usually, it takes a couple years for teams, as we've seen with the Vikings, whose offensive line I'm not even super confident in, and they've invested. The Pat Elfline pick, the Garrett Bradbury pick, the Brian O'Neill pick, and free agent money in Josh Klein, and free agent money in Riley Reef, and I still see them as like the 20th best offensive line in the league. So that tells you how challenging that is. But I agree. I think it's a good job. Now, here's the question, though. Where do you rank that job in terms of the entire league? Who would you pick first? Let's, let's rank these in terms of jobs that you would just take immediately if someone said, hey, you could be the general manager of Team X. I am drafting number one blank team. I want to be that team's GM. Uh, I'll go first. Indianapolis comes to mind like right it? away. Like because, it? One, because you have the franchise quarterback. He's healthy now. And you have a really, really good offensive line in front of him. So in a perfect world, he's going to stay healthy because of that, because of said offensive line. And to Danny's point earlier about the Texans, they have a lot of cap space as well. So they have flexibility, Mm -hmm. and they are already paying their quarterback. And they have cap flexibility there. So for me, it's Indianapolis is probably, if it's not Houston, Indianapolis is the next job. See, nobody ever talks about that part of it, is if you've got the quarterback contract, you can still succeed, but you better have young players at the other key positions, like you mentioned on the offensive line with Quentin Nelson is just a superstar there, and they've not invested a ton of money on their offensive line, but are really, really good in that position, and they can get better and better on the defensive side, too, by the players they draft, but you've just got to hit on draft. Picks, and that's where Seattle has fallen off. Really, is yeah. they have not hit on draft picks since they've paid Russell Wilson, and that's where it becomes much more challenging for them because you just can't go out and pay big free agents or keep your players all the time unless you're the Vikings. But you think about the Vikings being able to do this, they've also kicked the can down the road on a ton of contracts, they've overpaid some players who are older and maybe not quite worth it at this point to keep the band together. Like the, it, it creates a lot of problems unless you're someone like the Colts who has a lot of young players in key spots. I, I don't have a dispute on that being the number one pick. No, I think Colts and Texans are both two teams in the top five. I would probably put the Colts at number one as well. It's hard for me to disagree there. Having It's... Whether or not you can believe that Andrew Luck can stay healthy is the deal breaker for me because you're not going to look good as a GM if your franchise quarterback can't find his way on the field. Obviously, last year he was on the field and it was great, but the years before that, it hasn't been that same story. So if he's on the field, it's a great job. There, It's hard to find a better job than that one, but it all hinges on the health of Andrew Luck. So your Cleveland Browns would be next. Sure. The Patriots are a tough one in any one of these conversations because the question is always, how much longer do I have Brady? Mm -hmm. Because I'll take a general manager job for this year with the Patriots to win the Super Bowl this year and (laughs) say, thanks, everyone. I am a Super Bowl champion general manager. And now, like Bill Polian, someone will make sure I'm employed for the rest of time if you're a Super Bowl winning general manager, right? 
So the Patriots are a really tough one because you know even if you make bad moves, Tom Brady is going to make you look a lot better. Um, but at the same time, and then at the same time, you get to work with Belichick, who's been their GM, and he's going to tell you what to do anyway. So maybe that's not a bad job. Cleveland is definitely on this list. If we're trying to figure out how many teams you would pick before the Vikings, those three, Houston I would take, Indy I would take, Cleveland I would take. Now where does the New York Jets rank? Because they have just replaced their general manager. Now, if I can fire Adam Gase, (laughs) I think I'm taking the Jets job here too because of Sam Darnold and cap space. Well, I mean, you are the decision maker, are you not? This is your fantasy. I don't even know. You have the opportunity. Yes. Adam Gase got the last guy fired, so now I'm concerned like, that he <laughs> no, has more the, power the, than I do. This is your fantasy. Yeah. You have the power here. So you can fire Adam Gase if you want. Okay, for I the, just did. For the sake of this exercise, Adam Gase is now without a job. Okay, I just fired Adam Gase. Do we agree on the Jets being above the Vikings for teams you would take their GM job? Sure. Yeah, if, if, if I can fire Adam Gase, yes. And, <laughs> and if I have full control over what I can do with Le'Veon Bell, too. As well. see, see, these kind of fall into different categories because there's the teams like we just mentioned. Um, now, Indianapolis is a little different because Andrew Luck's a veteran quarterback, but cap space is something you want. Flexibility, you want to be able to spend the money that you could spend. You want to have the quarterback position pretty much locked down. And I'm not 100% certain with the Jets that Sam Darnold's going to be a great quarterback, but he certainly has that potential. The teams that are harder to decide whether you would take them over the Vikings or not is someone like Chicago. Like, do you think that Mitch Trubisky is really good enough? I don't. I mean, I I think that Mitch Trubisky is a very average to below average quarterback with decent legs. Like, him and, and I would say... Josh Allen are the same kind of thing where I think they're going to show some flashes and I think their teams around them are pretty good uh, from what Buffalo did in the offseason. I just don't believe in the quarterback and I'm not taking any GM job where I don't believe in the quarterback even though Chicago, for example, is a really stacked team. I think that's how you have to look at it. One is it's cap space matters, but two, you have to make sure that you have a franchise quarterback or someone that you believe can turn into a franchise quarterback. I'm not as high on the Jets job as you two because I don't think Sam Darnold's going to be that good in the NFL. I think he's got accuracy issues, and those don't often get solved when it gets tougher in the NFL, which it undoubtedly does compared to when he had interception issues at USC in college. So I'm not super high on him. I would still take the Jets job because of flexibility, and you do have a young quarterback over the Vikings, but I'm still not nearly as high on them as you two seem to be. I left out Kansas City. Kansas yeah. City would definitely be in this list. We should look at the teams that we definitely would not take over the Vikings. I wouldn't take the Dolphins because they're the Dolphins. Although you would have the opportunity to build from the ground that's up true. with your own vision. And to some people, that's an attractive quality. You want to be able to implement exactly what you see from, from the ground floor. And the Dolphins are there right now. If you want to take over a rebuilding project at the right point, the Dolphins are right there. And it depends on how you feel about Josh Rosen, too. If you feel like Josh Rosen can be mm-hmm. a franchise quarterback for you, then, yeah, maybe that is an attractive spot for you because then you can start to try and build around him. Or like taking over the Browns when Josh John Dorsey took over the Browns. They right. were in the midst of an 0-16 season, but that wasn't a bad job to take over because you, you had a blank canvas to fill out, and that's essentially what the Miami Dolphins are. So this would be my concern if I was taking the general manager job for the Dolphins would be that I'm going to do the tearing down, as Sashi did in Cleveland, and someone else is going to benefit from it <laughs> like Dorsey is right now. And sure. that would be my concern there. But it, this kind of brings me to a question about this of with the Vikings, Vikings, they do have a chance to win the Super Bowl this year. They have a mature roster, a very talented roster, and a veteran quarterback. So you always have that chance. I mean, if Kerry Collins can end up in a Super Bowl, I would never say that Kirk Cousins can't get in there. Some people will say, oh, Kirk could never get in there. Kerry Collins went to a Super Bowl. It can happen. Um, because when you look at the Super Bowl winners, it's usually the great quarterbacks. The Super Bowl loser is a much more of a, a mixed bag of Rex Grossman's sometimes uh, end up there. But uh, would you rather have the mature win-now roster of the Minnesota Vikings or a complete clean slate? Now, I asked this same question in 2016 when it looked like the Vikings are going into 2017 when it looked like they were probably going to sign Sam Bradford to a long-term contract. And I said I would probably rather have the Cleveland Browns 0-16 because then I can build from the ground up with a rookie quarterback and Miami, if Rosen isn't that guy and they lose a bunch, they could take 
Tua from Alabama. If it were me, I'm tanking for two years to take Trevor Lawrence. I don't care if we go 0-16 two years in a row. That'd be amazing. Trevor Trevor Lawrence, to me, looks like Peyton Manning. I mean, if if he's going to be that good, then I don't care. But I've got to get that that time. But that's my question that this ultimately comes down to is the Vikings are in the same category as someone like the Los Angeles Chargers on their last shot. The Los Angeles Rams are not going to have this strong of a roster around Jared Goff forever. The Seattle Seahawks have been in this place, a win now. The Atlanta Falcons are a great example, similar to the Vikings where Matt Ryan isn't getting younger, your team is mature now, you've got to go get it. Or would you rather have the complete blank slate? Because this can go the opposite way. I mean, Tampa Bay has been terrible for how long? Mm-hmm. And they picked Jameis Winston number one, and, and you think, oh, you're going to be able to just rebuild and draft guys. And they've just been trashed the whole time that they've had Jameis Winston. So it's it's way more risky. I think I'm in a position in this conversation where I would say, if you give me Trevor Lawrence in two years, then the answer is yes. Any, any other position, I'd rather take the Vikings with where they are now because it's a mature roster and has a chance to win. Well, I, I would think in, in terms of the Vikings, I think the question you have to ask yourself is how long is this window actually open? If the window is actually just this year, which it kind of seems like it might be, then I'd be, I'd be really hesitant to want to walk right into a situation like that. If the Vikings are going to be in salary cap hell next year, that's a big, big ask. For Prediction, somebody. they will be. <laughs> that's I mean, bold. Write it down. It's a it's a lot to ask. I think somebody coming in to try and to try and fix. But um, I mean, if if you feel like this roster is really good enough to win a Super Bowl, then yeah, I mean, I, at least if if I'm going to jump on board for one year, then yeah, I'd take it. Okay, so this is an interesting question, though: is how long is the Vikings' window open? Yeah. Because even if so, even if they were to not re-sign Kirk Cousins to an extension. We're going a couple of years in the future, but they draft a quarterback. You have to at least expect a couple of years for that quarterback. You can't expect RG3, great first season, or even Baker Mayfield, great first season. Usually takes a little development. So we're really looking out to 2022, right? I mean, the window for this time with Kirk Cousins might be up right now. But we're thinking, is there going to be like a second window that comes? Because we see a lot of teams that remain pretty successful year after year just based on how much their ownership's willing to spend, how savvy they are, how well they draft, things like that. And, of course, you know the quarterback position comes into it. But there are teams that not every team is going constantly either dead last or all the way at the top. So I guess the question you'd be asking is, what's the core of this team going to look like? If, if we're going a couple of years out, if you're making that decision, and it's Daniil Hunter for sure. Mm-hmm. I think the two wide receivers, Diggs and Thielen, are here for a, probably the remainder of their careers and will continue to be good. Anthony Barr is going to be a part of that. Beyond that, though, I mean, there are many guys here right now. Mike Hughes is going to be one of them, but we don't know if he's any good or not. Garrett Bradbury, it's it's. I think that would be the thing that would make you the most hesitant about the Vikings' job is if we lose with me as GM after next year where I'm already in cap hell, how, I mean, how am I going to rebuild this team? Do I have to do it entirely around rookie quarterback? Do we have to go to the bottom? And, and I don't think this ownership wants to go to the bottom. Right. You know, So um, it is a fascinating position to be in, I think. I, I think that this is a team that if they're not going to want to go to the bottom, I think it'll be a tough rebuild when Kirk Cousins is gone. You're going to have to make sure you hit on a rookie quarterback, and you're going to have to try and win then because the cap situation, Matthew, like you said, with your incredibly bold prediction that it's not going to <laughs> be pretty next year and in the next couple of years, it's going to be a tough way to try and reshape this roster when the time comes to have to do that. It really is. Do we think that the window is this year and next year or just this year? I think it could stretch into next year if Kirk Cousins is better this year than what he was last year. Then I think you have a sense that you could maybe go one more year with him and 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 give it a shot. But if he if Kirk Cousins is if we see the same Kirk Cousins this year as we saw last year, then I mean we're just treading water. What what the hell are we even doing here? So I'll make another prediction here. Kirk Cousins will be pretty much the same as he always has. It's it really entirely rests on everybody else. I mean, yeah. do they run the ball better? Do they make their 
dang field goals. This is something that I'll admit to not bringing up enough. I think they missed the most field goals of any team in the NFL last year. That hurts that, you. That matters. Yeah. I mean, that matters. It's not to, good. It matters to Kirk Cousins' performance for how many points they put up. I mean, they were 19th. I mean, if you make a few more field goals, maybe you're 16th or something like that. But if you're 14th or 10th and you're making all of your field goals, you could go up to 7th or something in scoring and look a lot better um, than you would be. Or if you make one or two more of those field goals, you find yourself in the playoffs right. and you don't know yes. what happens right. and that... If and something good Kirk, happens yeah. in the playoffs, we forget what Kirk Cousins yes. did in the regular season if he takes him back to the NFC title game. Yeah, that's right. Then we don't care what he did from September until December. All we care about is, oh, well, maybe they'll get to the Super Bowl. Maybe they can take that final step, step in year two versus that was really kind of a, a waste of a season. And what I would tack on to that is he had his chance at the playoffs in Week 17. Sure, but, but you're right. You're right. You make that field goal in Green Bay. There's a couple other field goals along the way. And that's my whole point is Kirk Cousins will be Kirk Cousins. He's going to have the same shortcomings. He's going to have the same strengths as he always had. Maybe the new offensive system tacks on a few points here or there. But looking at his pro football focus grade and the fact that it was his second best for his career makes me think, no, you're not getting anything much different. When he was in Washington, he had Shanahan and he had McVay, the the two best play callers and offensive minds that there are, and did not win a playoff game there, in part because he's still got the shortcomings he has, but they didn't have the best rosters around him either, the best performances. I think my question for if it, we're looking at two years out, whether the window closes or not, is, Who's not going to be here, mm-hmm. right? Like, like, who are the players that this rests on? I think we should answer that on the other side of the break, as it's now starting to rain here, unfortunately. But this, this, is, not, this is nice for us, yeah. sitting indoors in the press box, like a cool breeze blowing in. Uh, we are at CHS Field, St. Paul Saints Stadium, if you want to buy Saints tits. Hoping for better weather soon, tonight. Hopefully. Uh, it's Saints, supposed to clear up, I is think. Is it? Okay, good. Well, the tarp is on the field, saintsbaseball.com, and some great weather is on the way, by the way. Finally, like real legit 90s summer weather. Last time we, we were here, you talked about how nice it was going to be, and then it rained for the next week, I so know. I don't yeah. trust you. I am definitely the ultimate weather jinxer of, like, I'll look at my phone and look a week out and expect that it's going to stay exactly what the prediction was, <laughs> and I won't look again and then be like, oh, okay, I botch that entirely anyway um so we'll take a quick break we're from chs field here in downtown st paul if this, this is downtown st paul right still mm-hmm. okay yep. i don't know like, sure sure yeah all right this is like it's, my sixth time it's in definitely st. Paul. in st paul because parking was hard and so. they're the st paul saints <laughs> uh yes they are so we'll take a quick break we'll talk about who's gonna be here for the Vikings. Who's their core in two years, and does the window shut after this season? When we return, you are listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. That's Johnson. Finds an opening. And drops the football. Vikings think they have it. And it is Vikings ball. Tom Johnson, the big defensive tackle with a recovery of the David Johnson fumble. Well, I think this is Anthony Barr who gets a hand on this, and David Johnson never fumbles a football. If you have not, if you have not seen it yet, uh, scorenorth.com is where I wrote an extensive piece during my vacation, but I enjoy it, uh, about Anthony Barr. I had a good time talking with Adam Zimmer, the Vikings linebacker coach, along with uh, a guy named Cody Alexander, who is a high school coach, but also wrote a book about defense that is really cool. And uh, so check that out, scorenorth.com. And that is why Jonathan back in the studio playing the Anthony Barr highlight. We are here from CHS Field, St. Paul Saints, downtown St. Paul. Yes, it is indeed uh, down, downtown. In fact, you know it's downtown St. Paul because Danny left the studio to go re-up his parking right now. <laughs> um, SaintsBaseball.com if you want to get tickets. And it rained briefly, but now it's clearing up again. So before we went to the break, Manny, we were talking about what 2021 is going to look like. And we know that Kirk Cousins aside from something very bizarre, and it's the Vikings, so very bizarre is often the usual. But let's just assume for 2021, as we try to figure out how long the winning window is open for the Vikings, 
assume Kirk Cousins is your quarterback. Now, here's the way I want to do this. I'm just going to go down the list of the players for the Vikings that are paid the most money, okay. and you can tell me if you think that that is still going to be a core player on the Vikings or not in 2021. Okay. And I think this will help us decide whether that window is going to be open. Uh, Daniel Hunter. Yes. Easy. Xavier Rhodes. That's a hard one. Ooh, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I feel like as good as he's been, I I don't know if as he gets older and into his 30s, if he's still going to be able to play at the level that, that we've grown accustomed to seeing him play over the last few years. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes you see corners when they get older, they make the transition to, to safety. Yep. I don't know if, yep. if Xavier is a guy that can do that or not. Maybe we, we could see maybe down the line, but right now I would say probably not. I'm going to say no also because his cap hit is massive yep. after next year uh, or after, uh, what do we call it? We'll call it 2019 this year. Mm-hmm. All right. So it's, um, it's massive after this year. And when we were out there for minicamp, Xavier Rhodes was limping around looking like he tweaked Man. something. That's just I, big corner, played physical for his entire career. And it's hard to stay healthy once you get those nagging injuries. You know, you get the hamstrings, things like this, quads. I mean, that's where you end up with um, guys just not having their careers last deep into their 30s unless, like you mentioned, he moves to safety. But if he moves to safety, it can't be on the same contract, and he might not want to do that. Right. He might feel like if he hits free agency instead. Um, Stefan Diggs, 2021. Yes. Riley Reef. No. I am also going to say no, and this is where it gets interesting because um, with someone like Riley Reef, even though I don't think he's a great left tackle, especially not in pass blocking, he's a starting left tackle in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And what you don't know right now is whether Brian O'Neill eventually becomes that, who's playing right tackle. It's just as valuable these days. That's where we start to get a little tricky because I think if you lose Xavier Rhodes and let's say you keep Trey Wayans, Mike Hughes, you've drafted a position there. Holton Hill's an interesting guy, might develop a couple of, you know, Zimmer's great with cornerbacks. So you're like, okay, if they lose Xavier Rhodes, you could probably still survive. Losing your left tackle, though, which you probably have to eventually, that to me creates a lot more uncertainty. I think it's going to come down to a rather not you can find find his replacement. If if Brian O'Neill is not the guy, if Brian O'Neill is at his best as their starting right tackle, okay, that's fine. But if Riley Reef is not going to be around due to age or injury or just you're ready to move on and try and upgrade, then you better find an upgrade because I don't care who the hell your quarterback is. If you don't have somebody protecting his blind side, it's not going to matter. Your offense is going to struggle. Danny, how's your parking situation? You uh, good? We, we you are out of all, breath? We are all good now. Yeah, I ran. I was um, going to say, you seem a, like you're breathing a little hard here. It, it was a nice run. I wanted to get back as quick as I could. I didn't, didn't lollygag and take my time. Answer me this question, Danny. Next year's draft, mm-hmm. let's say that the Vikings are in position to take a left tackle to replace Riley Reef, but they're also in position to trade up and take the, one of the best quarterbacks in the draft, knowing that they could potentially resolve that position after Kirk Cousins if they don't want to re-sign him. Which one would you do? I think I would go with the left tackle because you can you can solve the quarterback position the next year. It might take a little bit longer for a left tackle to become really, really good in the NFL, and there is certainly a sharp learning curve with quarterbacks. But we have seen more success recently from younger quarterbacks than we had in years past, and I do think that if you, are, if you do know that you're going to have Kirk Cousins on the field and playing for a throughout that final year of his deal, maybe you do wait a year. Maybe you hand the reins over to that rookie quarterback or having a one-year holdover that's not nearly as expensive, and then that's how you can start to, to try and reshape this roster. See, this is where it's just going to get really super interesting after this year. When We're not going to be sure, I don't think, until the final hour of whether they're going to try to extend Kirk Cousins or not because this is not a team that's going to win – three games and you just know okay all right there's no way they could keep him and it's not a team that's going to win 14 games where you're saying okay absolutely we're keeping this 14 win quarterback so really it's going to be one of those things where it goes down to the playoff wire probably 
and you're deciding, well, if he can't make the playoffs two years in a row, then he definitely is not our long-term answer. But if he makes the playoffs and has a, a great season and wins a couple playoff games, takes him to the NFC Championship, totally realistic, I think, then you end up saying, oh, of course, then you're going to try to resign him to that massive extension because you've seen him do it. Um, so as we go down the list, that's where I don't think that the, that decision would be determined until you know what happened already with Kirk Cousins in the playoffs. Harrison Smith is probably still here. Linval Joseph is not. You agree with that? Yeah, I, I have. I love Linval, but I have a hard time thinking he'll still be a, a prominent part of this team's core in three years. Age is a big part of that. Yep. Uh, Trey Wayans, if they were to let go Xavier Rhodes, they have to try to re-sign Trey Wayans. Yeah, You can't definitely. let both go. And then you get into Everson Griffin's not here. Anthony Barr probably is. Eric Hendricks probably is. Kyle Rudolph probably isn't in 2021 or maybe. His contract is such that 2021 is probably the last year of his deal. So you probably have him. The point is that you do have a good number of the pieces that still remain for 2021 who have been good players and are mostly in their prime. So I guess I would say that the window is open until then, but then after that, it really depends on what happens at the quarterback position because Kirk Cousins, with a roster falling apart, we've already seen that in Washington. It doesn't work. It's not going to get you to the playoffs. It's not going to win games. They knew that when they signed him, that a lot of it was based on you've got the roster to support him, especially with the defense and with a running back at Delvin Cook who can dominate. So I kind of look at it as... Two years as a window. So it's not really exactly Super Bowl or bust right now. It's kind of Super Bowl or bust during the Kirk Cousins era. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, and and really, I mean, if you, the funny thing is, you look back at last year's team and the roster that was surrounding Kirk Cousins, that was a roster that should have been good enough to make the playoffs. Yep, absolutely. They had that chance in week 17. Like, Kyle, like, like you've talked about several times to just win a game and show up. And they couldn't do it. And now the pressure is on even more for them. And they have, I look at this roster, they have enough to, to make the playoffs. They have enough, I think, to win a playoff game. And, you know, maybe some things go their way if they put themselves in a good position that maybe they can go on an even deeper run in the postseason. But they have, this year especially, they have enough, I think, to go on a run. When you signed Kirk Cousins, wasn't that what it was for? Wasn't this yeah. whole era mm-hmm. Super Bowl or bust? Yep. From the day that that contract was signed or even that an agreement was reportedly struck between the two sides, this this entire era turned into Super Bowl or bust. There's no other way to put it. It's either you win a Super Bowl or at least get to one, or this era is going to be looked at as a failure no matter how good they are in the regular season this year or next year. If they don't win and when it matters, it's this is going to be looked at as a failure. So later in the show today, Gil Brandt, as we're talking about these supporting casts for um, NFL teams and for Kirk Cousins, he wrote about the top ten most talented teams. So we're going to get to that. Um, for the teams with most talent on the roster, and if the Vikings made the list. But when we come back, it's been a week, guys, since I've gotten to do hot routes. Are you feeling okay? Oh, no. I'm, I mean, I've been uh, chomping at the bit, as they say, to get back <laughs> into the hot routes. So we will do that when we return. We are uh, Purple Daily here, Matthew Collar, Danny Cunningham, Manny Hill from CHS Field in St. Paul, saintsbaseball.com to get tickets. The All-Star Game is going to be here July 22nd and 23rd, and uh, so make sure you check that out. Also, if you haven't seen the City of Baseball Museum, that is here as well. We'll take a quick break. We will return Hot Routes next on Purple Daily. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy Five or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. At the Home Depot, we have the tools for you to give the gift of a smarter home with savings on top brands like the Google Hub, a command center for your smart devices that raises the IQ of your entire home, or the Nest Learning Thermostat that helps you conserve energy and save on your bill. And if you don't know what to get, gift cards are a smart gift no matter what they get. 
So this year, gift smarter with savings on tools to make your holiday magic. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.